This morning's reading can be found on page 1688 of the Church Bibles. We are reading John chapter 21, starting at verse 15, which is titled, Jesus Reinstates Peter. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Jesus, Lord, you know all these things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus asked, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumour spread amongst the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testified to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them was written down, I suppose that not even the whole world would have room for all the books that would be written. This is the word of the Lord. In September, we started our study of, of John's Gospel, and today we finally arrive at our concluding verses. As I've looked back, I hope you will agree that whilst we have studied what Jesus said and did, what really has come out from these studies, more than anything, is what Jesus is really like. We've been drawn in to the nature of his character by Matt, Mike, Ian and Martin, and I hope I've added to that picture. Jesus' compassion, his patience, his determination and uniqueness have all come out from all these studies. And if we didn't know it before, we do know now that Jesus is most certainly who he claims to be, the Son of God. 
Last week, Martin introduced us to this final story of Jesus having breakfast with his disciples on the beach. And we can only imagine the utter joy they must have felt when they saw him waiting for them on the shore. They had all seen Jesus a few times since his death and resurrection, appearing through locked doors and on the road to Emmaus. But now they were in the comfort of their own surroundings and back to their old familiar pre-Jesus life of night fishing. I think there was a good reason for this. The disciples had spent nearly three years totally out of their comfort zone. In fact, comfort zone was a distant memory for them, and they were about to re-embark on a new mission for the rest of their lives. The retreat to Galilee gave them that much-needed respite and downtime. And there's something to be said for keeping our hands busy while our brains process something that has happened whether fishing, mowing the lawn, or even knitting. The security of the ordinary is important for us to be able to go through life. Now today, I want to zoom in on Peter as we join him eating his early morning breakfast on the beach with Jesus and the other disciples. Apart from the large amount of fish, this may well have been the normal early morning occurrence for fishermen returning from a hard night's work but the conversation that takes place is far from ordinary. So let's take a look at what has happened under four headings. Repent, reconcile, restore, and recommission. We will quickly zip through the first two because we don't particularly see them in this passage, but they lead up to this story. Repent. For those of you who are perhaps not familiar with the story so far, Back in John chapter 18, Jesus had warned Peter that he would betray him. And Peter, full of his usual brash confidence, declared that, no, he would bravely defend Jesus and not run away. He would absolutely never deny knowing him. Yet only a few hours later, Peter denied knowing Jesus three times and in utter humiliation disappeared into the darkness, sobbing. And this is where we see Jesus' repentance. Unlike Judas, he turned back to Jesus for, for forgiveness. True, we don't see the words, I'm sorry, written down, but we understand from the text and the subsequent way that Jesus treats and speaks to Peter that he has indeed been forgiven. Now, reconcile. People often confuse forgiveness with reconciliation as if they were the same thing but they're not. You can forgive somebody for something they have done for you, but you may choose never to be reconciled, enjoying the relationship that you once had with someone. Reconciliation is the final step in the forgiveness process. You can't have reconciliation without repentance. And we can glean from Peter's exuberant leap from the boat that he was not anxious or wary about being in Jesus' presence. Different from perhaps when we've upset somebody and we keep our distance, waiting to see how that person will react and treat us. Fortunately for Peter and for us, when we repent, Jesus is quick to forgive and immediately reconciles us to himself so that we can be ourselves and not 
skulk around in the hope that he really did mean it and he won't get angry with us. So let's move on to today's passage and the last two headings, Restore and Recommission. So Peter is sitting on the beach with Jesus and the other disciples. Smoke is silently rising from the charcoal fire, which is crackling out heat to warm the weary fishermen. And this perhaps reminded Peter subconsciously of that awful, shameful night not so long ago. Perhaps Peter had hoped that he wouldn't have to face it again. But gently, Jesus asks him a question. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I'm sure in that moment, Peter must have quaked. His heart must have fell. What was coming? Jesus had called him Simon. In his first encounter with this disciple, Jesus tells him that he will now be known as Peter, the rock, for this would be his personality, rather than the impetuous, impulsive, over-eager young man that he had first met. Indeed, whenever Jesus calls, Simon, calls Peter Simon in the, with, through the Gospels, it was in reference to his key failures. So we saw Jesus foretelling Peter's betrayal by saying, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. And later, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Simon, are you sleeping? Couldn't you watch just one hour? And so too, in this exchange today, Peter is called Simon, no longer a rock, just a fisherman named Simon. Three times, Simon Peter vehemently denied Jesus. And three times, Jesus asked Simon Peter, do you love me? It's a time for restoration, Jesus style. Before we go any further, I want to unpick Jesus' question. Now, he already knew the answer to the question, but his aim was for Peter to know the answer for himself. The first time Jesus asks, do you love me more than these? Well, what is these? Commentators have debated three possible answers, but only one really seems to fit. First one is, do you love me more than fishing, than your work? It's very unlikely, as Peter had already given up fishing to follow Jesus for three years, and he wasn't alone in the boat, so he, Jesus would have asked that of all the disciples. Or do you love me more than you love these other disciples? That would have been a bizarre question as there was no precedence for that anywhere else in the gospel. So generally we agree that when Jesus says, do you love me more than these? He means, do you love me more than the other disciples love me? This seems the best fit. Jesus, Peter had already boasted that even if the others ran away, he would never leave Jesus, even if he had to die. I'd also like to comment on the familiar point that John uses two different Greek words for love in this dialogue. Generally, but not always, there is agapeo, which is the verb, refers to God's love for people or our love for him, whereas filio is used for love between people. The first one, agapeo, has the notion of a committed love that sacrifices itself for others. Just as Christ loves us, or a husband loves a wife, 
of the church, we love one another. The first two times that Jesus asked Peter, do you love me, he uses this verb. But Peter replies with the other verb, filio. The third time, Jesus then uses filio and Peter replies with the same verb. Based on this, some people would argue that Peter's love doesn't come up to the higher word that Jesus is used. So finally, the Lord come down to Peter's lower word. And it is true that Jesus does indeed meet us where we are, however weak or feeble. It doesn't matter our will or our emotion. He will meet us there. And still he will take what we offer and build upon it. But the trouble is with this idea is that the words that are used throughout the text are actually used interchangeably in a lot of different places. And John also uses two different words for to know and for feeding and for sheep. So it seems more likely that this was a stylistic idea rather than having the meaning that I've just mentioned. Perhaps what we should be more concerned about is the question as Jesus intended it. What he was saying is, Simon Peter, you have seen yourself at your worst. Your self-perception has been blown apart. In fact, you can't even catch fish on your own. But in the core of your being, do you love me? I am sure the other disciples were holding their breath in this exchange. Publicly, Simon had denied Jesus. Publicly, with nothing left to hide or to lose, Simon Peter professes that yes, he does indeed love Jesus as Lord. And so he is restored. Now each time Jesus asks Peter whether he loves him, he also charges him to feed or take care of Jesus' flock. Perhaps Peter thought back to the first time that Jesus had commissioned him. Back in Luke 5, verses 1 through 11, Jesus had gone out on a boat with Peter and preached to the people on the shore. Afterwards, they went out into deeper water and Peter threw out the nets and brought in a massive haul of fish. At that time, Jesus had promised Peter that from then on, he would be a fisher of men. Today, we understand these analogies, fishing, bringing people to faith, and shepherding, caring people that have faith. Perhaps in that recommissioning, Jesus was also telling Peter, forget fishing, that was your old life. Now you are a shepherd. I know you don't know how to shepherd, but these are my sheep and I will help you. In essence, Jesus is asking Peter to do the two most important things he needs to know and do. Firstly, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul. And secondly, love your neighbour as yourself. On these two commandments rests the whole law. So how about us as individuals? How do you and I answer this same direct question today? Jesus asks us today, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Perhaps in that few moments, your response is a resounding yes. But maybe for some of us, the response might vary. Mm, 
Mm, I think so. I used to love you more. Not really. I'm trying. Or even no. This is a tough place to be. Good deeds, working hard for the Lord, persevering, giving generously, celebrating communion, all of these are great. But it doesn't seem to be enough. Perhaps you can think of many other reasons. In the pause between Jesus' question and our answer, we recognize something is missing, something is wrong. So what can we do? Like Peter, we need to repent. Perhaps we've been so focused on the doing that we have forgotten the reason. Or perhaps we have chosen to quietly slip back into our old life and habits, hoping nobody, especially Jesus, will notice And we can just gloss over the fact that we are not really living that joy-filled life that Jesus intended for us. Return and be reconciled. Remember that Jesus doesn't hold our sins against us. Rather, he is quick to forgive, abounding in steadfast love to all who come come to him. But this does require more action from us. We need to spend time with Jesus in prayer and worship on a daily basis, both speaking and listening to him. It's impossible to love someone that we don't know. Then we need to be restored. 1 Peter 5 verse 10 tells us that the God of all grace who has called us to eternal glory in Christ, he will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish us. We can't restore ourselves, but we can let go of our past. Everything right up to this minute. And we can quite simply accept that we are forgiven, reconciled to God and restored to our place in God's family as his adopted and much-loved child. Finally, God will recommission us by filling us to overflowing with his Holy Spirit, so that we are able to both love God and love others joyfully as he intended. Had Peter let his failures get the better for him, we would perhaps not be worshipping here today. Jesus' final words to Peter were, follow me. As individuals and as a church, God has commissioned us. So what are we waiting for? Let us pray. On this ordinary Sunday, Lord, you ask each one of us, do you love me? We recognize the truth of our response, Lord, for there is no hiding. For those of us who can say we love you, please increase our love for you even more. For those of us who cannot raise our eyes to look at you, because we know we don't really love you. Lord Jesus, in this moment, by your Holy Spirit, please give us the love that we want and we need. 
Thank you for choosing us. We do not take lightly your command to love you or to love others. And we know that the love that we have for one another proves to the world that we are your disciples. So we ask today that you send us out again, filled by your Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>